This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodged the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 82 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, what's it been like in Columbus over the past week? You got any um, thing that you've been able to do to get your mind off stuff? I know it's been nice here. So yeah, I think weather-wise, um, you know, things are. It was really, really hot for a stretch like that stretch where all the craziness was going down was compounded. Oh yeah with like 90 degree weather. So I think, and this is just a general rule of thumb for me when the weather gets hot, I think people start to go a little bit haywire, but um, (laughs) it's toned back into a couple of nicer days, which has been good over the weekend. uh, Madison and I did a staycation actually. So we went to the bridge park area of Dublin, um, which is one of the suburbs of Columbus. It's been built out with some commercial and, uh, um, you know, some really good restaurants. So we stayed at the uh, AC Marriott Hotel there. Um, they got a rooftop bar, which wasn't crowded at all. They had they'd followed all the COVID precautions, which was great for us. We did dinner at a couple of restaurants, which was the same thing, low capacity. Nice. You know, everybody was very safe, but it was nice to get out, you know, be among the world a little bit and kind of get a reprieve from some of the craziness that's been going on. And outside of that, you know, I've, I've been keeping at it per usual. But, uh, you know, these last couple of weeks, I think have been really good in terms of conversations we've been able to have and people truly realizing how important some issues are, um, but also the ability to step away and, and live a bit, a little bit of a normal life um, as we've kind of gotten further away from some of the, you know, the height of the COVID uh, lockdowns and then the height of all of the, the protests and the demonstrations. Yeah. And I saw that you, you're doing like a morning workout routine here. I've kind of watched some of your things on Instagram. So I'm interested to see like, so what, what is that exactly? Like the program you're doing, it kind of looks like a, like a strength workout mixed in with a little, um, CrossFit. Yeah. So we're, we're doing a lot of, um, we're doing a lot of strength work. I'm, I'm doing it at my friend's house and he has, uh, a nice little setup, but we don't have a ton of heavy weights over there. So it's been okay. a lot of uh, high repetitions, you know, 
four and five sets of exercises. We do band work. Um, and then we well, get I love after band it work. With, it's the best. With, uh, oh, it's fantastic. Then we get after it with Tabatas. We go out in the basketball court. We'll run around out there. We've got, um, we've got uh, agility ladders, so we do those as well. So it's been great. This is going on, I believe, week five Nice with these workouts. And I've seen some changes in my body, but mentally, I think I've been uh, more adjusted to it. The huge thing for me there, and I, I know you resonate with this, it's the reason why um, I like riding Peloton. It's the reason why I'm doing these morning workouts. But uh, the accountability aspect of having a workout partner is big for me. Yep. So that's been really, really good. And, you know, I'll just, I'll keep grinding at it, try to, try to get my body back to, you know, tip top shape <laughs> when I was playing ball. Don't know if I'll get there, but that's the goal. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine as an athlete sometimes it is, it, it it's probably totally different once you're done with sports, you, you know, in terms of you feel like you don't want to go back to what you exactly were in college, right? Because you're different, you've grown, um, you're not doing the same thing every day. But at the same time, you, you don't want to just give up on everything, you know, altogether. Yeah. But it, it it would be overwhelming for that many years having to put that much effort into your body. So I give you props, though, for um, getting this thing going. That's that's awesome. I'm glad it's going well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell a little bit of a story about what you just said. So for me, it was it was really hard when I left the game. So Back in college, I was like the poster child for Body by Marathi and like the strength program over there. Yeah. You know, I enrolled at Ohio State. You've seen the photos. I enrolled at Ohio State, you know, skinny 219 pound kid from the suburbs. And I left a 255 pound man. Mm -hmm. And my body was was really lean. It was in shape, you know, like the whole deal, rock solid. I get to the league. My rookie year, I was able to play at my college weight. And then my second year, that preseason, I came in. In like this time of the year, OTAs, I went through the whole spring at about 255. And then the strength coach and my position coach gave me a letter telling me that I got to come back to training camp six weeks later at 235 pounds. So essentially, wow. I had to lose 20 pounds in six weeks. And if you don't lose the weight, um, they'll find you $650 oh per my pound God. per day. Yeah. So I went ahead and I went on a really restrictive diet to the point where I was eating salads and I was drinking broth for the whole six weeks. And oh I was working gosh. out about four hours a day to lose the weight. I got cut by the chargers. I got picked up by the Colts. The Colts wanted me to bulk up from 235 to 260. And oh so, yeah, I, I spent that year. It seemed like, you know, like engorging my body, you know, trying to gain yeah. that weight. And then I got cut from there. And, and that was like toward the tail end of my career. But then I retired. I retired from football and I went through these spells and like, not to say I had an eating disorder, but I, I basically had some of those behaviors where yep. I would like binge eat yep. and I would eat whatever I wanted. And, um, then I would go for like, you know, a week where I would just like, I would try not to eat basically anything. Yep. But I, I ended up gaining probably another 10 or 15 pounds for my final playing weight. So I was up way too high. My face was looking puffy. My body was doughy. Um, and I, I just, I had to make a change at some point. So, you know, not to whatever, not a feel bad story about myself, but just like, it, it's a lot. It was a yeah, lot maintaining they're... my body before. And then the changes I went through when I stopped playing, I, I dug myself into a hole I'm getting out of right now. Yeah. And that's, you're not the only, you know, athlete that goes through those things when they retire from the game. I mean, from any sport, right? I, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a change. So I applaud you for getting back to the grind and finding, and it's about just kind of finding that happy, happy medium, right? I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be too extreme on either end. So 
I'm, I'm excited for you on that. Well, let's get into fo- some football talk. And there has been plenty of stuff that has come out in the past few days in terms of college football. Uh, we're still kind of waiting for exactly when that return to play will be, if it's going to be on time or if they're going to make some changes. But for right now, it's kind of all about these players, these teams coming back for these workouts and facilities. And uh, the latest with Ohio State, they actually began voluntary workouts uh, last week, but they had to sign an acknowledgement of risk waiver due to COVID-19. Players were asked to sign the, quote, Buckeye Pledge. Now, this pledge commits players to follow the school's health guidelines, including participation in contact tracing efforts and reporting of exposure and acknowledges the risk of contracting COVID-19 even while following those protocols. Now, at Ohio State, those protocols include submitting to coronavirus testing, reporting exposure to COVID-19, disclosing symptoms of the virus, including a fever of 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit or higher, and then remaining home if they feel sick. Here's the thing. Not every college football program is doing this, Joshua. And to me, when I look at this, this seems like something if you're getting your players back in facilities that are coming from all around the country, why isn't everybody following what they are doing there at Ohio State? Yeah, and it's funny because like the I think the the big hang up, the big concern for people on the outside looking at this was that um, anybody who was under the age of 18 had to have a parent sign off on this too. So then the question becomes, is this some sort of waiver of liability is this a legal document um and gene smith came out and said that you know they don't view this as a legal document and i i hold gene um at his word because i feel like he does advocate for student athletes yeah but the reality of the situation is that was a little bit funny but uh you know you you ask some people who have been at work or who have gone back to work and and not to say that like these guys aren't employees so it's a, a different situation but even like parents who have sent their kids back to daycare for example They've had to sign acknowledgement of risk waivers saying that they acknowledge that if they put their kid back in daycare, if they come back to a workplace or whatever the situation is, that there is an inherent risk that they can contract COVID. Um, Even if they follow all of the proper protocols, there's still a risk. And and so I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with having them acknowledge in writing um, that they understand the risk is there. I also think that it is a positive thing to enforce the the environment of following protocols and and whatever they're supposed to be doing. Now, uh, will it be a thing nationwide? I have no idea, but I know Gene Smith got this idea from Indiana's athletic director. So, uh, you know, there are at least certain schools in the Big Ten that had thought it was a good idea and are doing it. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with putting, you know, uh, an acknowledgement out there. I mean, we, we sign up for all different kinds of things and they have us acknowledge certain things. We don't even know half the damn time what it is. Right. So I, you know, as long as it's not a hold harmless type of situation, um, I, I don't, I don't see the risk in it. I can see how people look at it and they're like, "What? You're having your college athletes sign a waiver, a, a waiver which could pretty much be like, hey, you're risking your life to come in here and practice.' And okay, let's let's be honest, people. Uh, these college athletes, first of all, they know what they're doing. They're, you know, and they're a lot of them are just anxious to get back to these facilities. But I, in a way, look at this more as a like structure, because so many of these these programs, I don't know if they really have good structure when it comes to inviting 
their players back. I mean, we just saw Houston that had 10 players test positive after the fact. They didn't even have anything with these players coming in and having to test beforehand. They had these players come in and were testing them when they were already back in the facility. And so for me, there was no structure. At least this shows Ohio State has some sort of structure because in it, it's saying we are going to test these athletes beforehand. You know, this is kind of the process that we expect out of them. So I look at it more in that way of a positive thing to to help the athletes in the end, right? Yeah. And if someone has a problem with it, they're not going to sign it. I I think that's where I was getting ready to go. I'll say first off, for Houston, like, I don't know how the hell you could – not good test God. Them, right in. like I, I thought that was just base common sense to the point Stupid. where like you know you you don't even have to really say that like mm-hmm. test the guys but um I, I think your point is probably the one that stands out the most it, there this is all voluntary at this point I know mm-hmm. I know guys want to get back but that's kind of the point like if you if you're burning desires to get back then you're gonna take the risk on if you if you don't want to get back or you think it's too early they can't force you to you don't have to so it's it's not like anybody is is being put in a situation. Now you can say that there's probably pressure for these guys to get back and they want to be a part of the team, which I understand. But um, nobody's pressuring me into a situation where no. I feel like I could die. And football no. again is already a sport. Like lifting is strenuous. There's an inherent risk with that. There's a risk with going out in the field and knocking heads all day. Like I mean, mm-hmm. these guys are are risk tolerant people anyway. So yep. I don't think this is too out of the question to have them sign this. Yep, I don't either. It'll be interesting to see if other schools start to follow uh, in the weeks to come. Well, there is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, PGA is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter in for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you can find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag, use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet Online, your online waging solution. So... This was interesting. Uh, We have seen several coaches kind of shy away from this this whole movement that's been going on in our country over the last month or so. I know that we've talked in great detail about um, Dabo Sweeney. And now, recently, Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy under fire again. This is not the first time we've spoken about Mike Gundy and I know that he was involved in some of the COVID-19 stuff as well and kind of not caring about bringing players back and having safety, but this is different. So Cowboys star running back Chubba Hubbard threatened to boycott the football team and any affiliation with the university until, quote, things change. He put this out on Twitter and as well as some other platforms And this is a response to Mike Gundy, the head football coach, like I said, of Oklahoma State, wearing an OAN t-shirt. That is One America News Network. If you do not know what that is, and I'm not going to try to make this a political debate here, but I am going to try to just explain what this is. Um, This is a network that is owned by Harry Networks, Inc. It's considered a far-right news source with a lot of mixed factual reporting. 
that's just the least of it. And it's just, (laughs) I guess, wearing a shirt and advertising it and then going and saying you're, you're, you know, sticking up for your black athletes is kind of contradicting. And you can go read more about that if you want, people, if you don't know much about that network, but I encourage you to go read about it. It just, to me, was a an awful look. It was um, very insensitive. And I know you can wear whatever you want, do whatever you want. It's a free country. But when you're a head football coach and you're trying to send a message during these times and be sensitive to certain things, this is not a good look. No. Um, and I'll, I'll break down news for people who um, maybe don't follow it as much or don't understand how, how it really goes on. So you have like your local news stations and um, they're, they're pretty much, they're tasked with, with reporting facts and stories, right? It's, it's, you know, like they're, they're updating you on the news as it happens, when it's happening, how it's happening. Then you get to some of these national cable news networks, you know, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, HLN, you know, all of these types of news networks, they report stories, but a lot of the content that they put out is also like opinion based. It's commentary based mm-hmm. reporting. So you'll get a news story, but then you'll get Tucker Carlson spin on it. You get a news story yeah. and then you'll get Don Lemon spin on it. So what they are doing is they are taking a news product and they are making it into an entertainment product. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a national scope. They're, they're, all they want is ratings. They want people to spend ad money with them. So there you go. Now, CNN, obviously they have their lean. Fox has their lean. The truth is always somewhere in the middle with them, but those are more mainstream type of sources. Yeah. When you get into a OAN, that is a far right news source. They are more concerned with being inflammatory. Um, and, and I, you know, again, take it for what you want. It, it seems to be more propaganda than is, you would yeah. get in more of a, a mainstream source. And this is probably why a lot of people probably haven't even heard of that network is they're not mainstream. So, right. they, you know, it's they have a cult following, if that makes sense. Now, if you've ever looked at their timeline on Twitter, if you've ever looked at their website, you would be disappointed that somebody would who who was supposed to be able to represent um, a group of, of largely black people would wear a T-shirt or would consume that yeah. news because of how inflammatory and how pseudoscientific and how opinion based it is, you know, like the, the factual reporting is limited in some of their stories, which is disappointing. I think the other thing that would piss you off is um, you don't see people typically wearing a CNN, MSNBC, Fox news t-shirt. So you have to be so committed to wearing a a shirt for a news network that you would spend the money and then actually go out and, and wear it. Like that's what's disappointing is like he's he is that committed to OAN that he felt the need to spend the money to buy the shirt and then put the shirt on and even be in a picture in it. Um, So I can understand exactly why Hubbard was disappointed and why he would want to boycott. For those of you who haven't seen any of of the news that comes from OAN, I would implore you to take a look at it. Obviously, we can disagree about how factual it is or whether we agree with the politics, whatever, whatever. But you, I don't think you can disagree with the fact that it is very one-sided reporting um, that is meant to inflame and not to inform. 
Yeah, well, you can just listen to any of the press conferences uh, that the president holds, and when their reporters ask the questions, it's almost laughable. Sorry, yeah. I, that's just coming from a news reporter. Um, I do sports, but I've been in the news business my whole career. I know what good reporters do. I know what unbiased reporters do, and that's definitely not it. So uh, just adding my two cents on there because I can. Um, so hours later, Gundy actually... And I'm not going to say apologized, but Gundy appeared in a video with Hubbard, which completely threw me for a loop. I was like, wait, what? This is already like taking place and they're like in front of a cowboy culture like background that's like in their in their, you know, workout facility. And the only thing I could think, so in this, Gundy pretty much was like, you know, we, we, we need to change and it starts from me and, you know, starts from me and goes all the way down, blah, blah, blah. And then Hubbard like comes in the whole time. Hubbard looks ex it's so uncomfortable and Hubbard comes in and he was like, and I shouldn't have, you know, went on Twitter yes, and, he should have. Went and did all this, right. He's like, I should have just went straight to Gundy. And I was like, no, but, but nothing would have happened. And, exactly. and you shouldn't. And, and during a time like this, when everybody else is like using their platform and it's, it, you know, it's not like he wouldn't cuss him out on Twitter. You know, it's not like he wouldn't yeah. said all this profanity. He had a statement and none of this would have happened. And there probably wouldn't have been anything done if it would have been the other way around. So no. And why are you apologizing on this video that is supposed to be all about Gundy apologizing? Yeah. Like I just thought it was awkward. I just thought it was such an awkward thing. Yeah. He, he didn't need to apologize and I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. And it's the same thing. People were like, well, Malcolm Jenkins uh, should have said something to Drew Brees in private. No, he shouldn't have because people have been having these conversations privately for a long time. I'm sure that somebody back in 2016 and 2017 told Drew Brees that um, what was going on in the NFL wasn't about disrespecting the flag or veterans or anything like sure. that. It was about social justice and making a stance, a stand in, in a demonstration at a time where people would be paying attention. And it wasn't until he was publicly shamed that he actually listened to that message. Um, Gundy is the same guy who called the coronavirus the China virus. Yep. He was the same guy talking about getting his guys on campus so they can get that money back flowing. I'm, I, no, it, it, somebody had to publicly shame him. It was time that one of his players really applied pressure. And one of the best running backs in America, mind you, applied pressure to his ass. So he would, he would finally understand that he can't do what he's been doing. And that's not a reason for anybody to apologize. Gundy, to me, is, is absolutely what is wrong with uh, people in power in this country is um, even when they're wrong, the, somebody else is wrong for calling them out. You know, even when they are dead wrong and, and, and finally come to a realization that they're dead wrong, the person who led them to that realization still has a certain amount of fault. In it. And I just don't understand how we're here, but that's exactly what it is. But no, I'm, I'm with you like that. Any type of apology from Hubbard is just like it's probably forced and it's just it's inappropriate, in my opinion. Yeah, this is funny. I had a because um, I had, I was tweeting all this out yesterday when it happened, and I had a um, Twitter follower say, you know, don't blame yourself in this negative situation. He's talking to Hubbard. Uh, there's no reason for you to feel guilty right now. You are good. Coach Gundy should be apologizing for his disrespectful behavior. And I think somebody else was like, you know, I'd be interested to see, you know, what it's like for some of these guys to play for him this next year. I just, it, it's a very, it's a very weird situation just because I don't necessarily buy what he's saying. 
And it's like, what do you do as an athlete if you're not really, I mean, I can't really believe that Chuba is like, oh yeah, I'm all in now. I just, I don't, I don't feel like that that's what's going through his mind right now. I mean, he might be willing to give this a chance to, to, you know, move forward. And I know his last tweet that he put up after all of this yesterday said, you know, don't get it twisted foot still on the gas results are coming. It's not over. So yeah, he, he's clearly going to hold his, co- his coach accountable and the university accountable. So it'd be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with that. Yeah, no, I'm, so. I'm just, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, um, you can only have these conversations in private so often that you got to start putting people on blast and it, it doesn't have to be in a disrespectful or inappropriate way. It's just, you know, if you, when, especially when you're dealing with somebody who would be perceived to have more power than you, if you can't apply pressure in a public situation, then a lot of times you're not really able to do anything. Yep, exactly. Um, I, I think it was good that, 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 that issue was at least put out there for people to have that conversation. Cause I know uh, plenty of people are talking about that. Well, before we go, let's get to one last um, segment here. So um, with everything, you know, that is happening, there's been a lot in terms of these universities and these universities, especially that are in the South. I know Virginia um, switched, has come out and said there's, they're switching things up on their logo um, with some stuff that had to do with slavery. Um, I know the interim president of the University of Texas said this last week, he is going to schedule meetings with um, student groups after the athletes said that they wanted to ditch the eyes of Texas song um, and rename several campus buildings. Now, athletes said last week that they will not help the school recruit future athletes. They won't participate in alumni events like they typically do um, if this stuff is not changed. What's your um, what's your kind of thoughts on all of this that's happening around the country when it comes to these specific situations? Um, it's the same thing I was saying. I, I think applying pressure is the only way to change. And, um, you know, I, a lot of people, it's funny. Um, you know, cause a lot of people will say, Oh, you know, it's a school song and I don't, I don't get, you know, the history, whatever, whatever, you know, they're just statues and, you know, we need statues to remember our history. And I just, I think that's a really disappointing stance to take. I don't think you need a statue to remember a racist. And mm-hmm. the reality of the situation is the statue doesn't really educate you. And then the fact of the matter is we soften and whitewash history to a point where books don't even educate us properly. So um, until we can reconcile with our history in a way that we tell it truthfully, I don't think we need these monuments. Um, I think we tear all those down and we start by rewriting history books so they tell stories accurately. It's the, it's the same kind of debate people get into with some of these songs. You know, people say it about our... Um, or national anthem, and you look at some of the different stanzas deep into it, and uh, it's got some real racial undertones. And and you know the the author of the national anthem owned slaves, and his family had owned people, and and that's our history. That's that's our country. And I think we need to can take all this into consideration. And specifically for Black folks, I think it's about time that we start using our voices and our power to say that although this is where our country came from, I think that by championing some of these monuments, some of these songs, some of these whatevers, that we are effectively washing out a group of people in their voices and their history, um, an ability to have overcome some of those obstacles. Like every time I see a monument of uh, a racist, confederate, slave-owning dissenter, I'm like, 
okay, so there were, uh, first off, they were an enemy of our country. Um, they killed our countrymen. And then we, you know, we did everything we could to try to overcome that just to be back in a place where uh, now black people have to look at that every day. Like, I, I just don't understand. So I'm here for it. I know Clemson, there's been a big push for that. Obviously, Texas is doing yeah. the same thing. Tear them down, you know, <laughs> tear them all down. Do you think, do you think realistically, do you think that it, it will happen? Do you think that they're going to, they're going to actually, you know, get to this and, and make it happen? I think, I think they need to do, I think it'll realistically happen. Um, no. And, and if it doesn't, it won't happen nearly as fast as it should. And again, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that we shouldn't have statues. We shouldn't have songs that commemorate racism, uh, racist or have racial undertones. Um, we use the example all the time, like people are really tight about this Confederate flag thing. And I would just ask those people, like, you know, again, I don't think we talk about slavery as the atrocity that it really was. I don't think we talk about Indian removal, that you know, Native American removal um, right. as the atrocity that it really was. But like there were there were millions upon millions upon millions of people that died. There were families that were displaced. Um, you know, that was the biggest generator of wealth for one race of people in the biggest detractor extractor of wealth for another race of people in America. And we shouldn't fly those flags. You wouldn't go over to Germany and see anybody who would proudly fly a Nazi flag or, or anything like that. There's not a Hitler statue. And I, I think that we can, we can definitely draw parallels to, to those two atrocities of genocide and, and loss of life and extraction of, of wealth and, and culture and history. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, it just it's amazing that it, it's it took, you know, this long for this even to be something that was put out there and put the pressure on. Well, I'll, I'll say so crazy. I'll say people have been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. But nobody's been listening. And now we're yeah. at a point where there, you can't do anything but listen. We we don't have anything to distract us right now. I think that is yeah, the biggest catalyst great, yeah. for this change. Great point. Like, you know, COVID shut everything down and now yep. we're, we're, we're lurching out of it. But like, this is, this is all we got right now. You always, you always, and it's, it's weird to say this, but you always say, oh, you know, certain things happen for a reason. And it's almost like the more we're looking back at everything and how it's playing out, it's like, gosh, is this really, you know, happening for a reason, right? Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's crazy to think about. Thank COVID for some of this attention. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, man, great topics today. Uh, I feel like we got to a lot. And uh, every week, like I said, uh, we we really are, you know, discussing some great stuff here. And I know that you, the listeners, are appreciating it. We had a viewer or a listener reach out this week on Twitter and uh, passed along his positive thoughts on the podcast. We really appreciate it. I thought that was great. We definitely, I know, are getting some new listeners. So I encourage you, if, if this is your first time listening, you know, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's just Press Pass Podcast. And if you do want to give us a rate and review, we would love that as well. But we just enjoy, you know, having new listeners on here, um, spreading the word. If you, you know, like this podcast, you know, somebody else who loves college football and having good discussions, Hey, you know, pass our, pass our name along. We really would appreciate that. Um, Joshua always very active on his social media platforms, especially Twitter, where he loves to have conversations. Where can they go to follow you? Uh, you can follow me, um, on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J E P. 
um, I'm, I'm here for all the conversations, sports conversations, the social justice conversations, and, you know, just a wide array of topics. So go ahead and hit your boy up. Yeah. And you can follow us on Instagram at press pass pod. That is where we uh, let you know when our weekly episodes drop. And then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kayla Anderson TV. Um, and I always, of course, discuss about everything there is in terms of sports, but especially college football. So we appreciate you guys hopping on here today, giving us a listen. I hope you guys enjoy your week and we'll be back here about the same place, same time next week. Take care, guys.